I want to tell you a story before I bring on our next guest, and it's a story that has haunted me. I mean, the very fact I remember this, I have probably canvassed thousands and thousands of doors on behalf of other politicians and on my own behalf over the years. And I actually enjoy door-to-door canvassing because you get to meet people and hear their stories and hear their observations on the issues and so on. And I was campaigning in Whitby in a by-election that elected Christine Elliott to the Ontario legislature back in, I would have said it was 2006. And I was out there, I think, 10 or 11 times to try and help her get elected, which she did. And she was a great candidate and went on to be a a, a superb uh, minister in the Ontario government. And at one of the doors, uh, I knocked on the door and a woman opened the door. And when she opened the door, what I saw was a woman standing in front of me that clearly there was just no there there. Uh, first of all, she had noticeable bruises on her face. Secondly, her eyes were were hollow and that, you, I think you know what I mean by that. There was just, uh, like, it was almost like there wasn't a person functioning behind her eyes, like that the eyes were kind of dead. And the way she spoke to me was just without any energy at all. It was very sad. And so I did my spiel, but I was, the whole time I was doing my short spiel, and I tried to shorten it, actually, because I could tell she just wasn't in any state of mind to have me there, but she did answer the door. And and I, and I then left. And I was, I was aching to ask her if everything was okay. Uh, but I sort of thought, well, that's intrusive. I was there, you know, as a politician, and she didn't know me. I was a complete stranger. And I'm convinced to this day, and I mean, here I am sitting talking to you about it like 16 or 17 years later that that woman had been the victim of of uh, intimate partner violence or some kind of uh, what we call domestic uh, violence. And I don't know. Like, I don't know. I never would know. I didn't know that day, but I was just sure of what I was looking at. And, you know, um, this is something that is a, a sad reality, a very much a reality in our uh, own society here. You know, we think of it sometimes as these things happen somewhere else. I remember talking about it as mayor during the pandemic because the level of intimate partner violence rose quite substantially because people were just with each other all the time and in very confined quarters. And at this time of year, meaning coming up on Valentine's Day next Wednesday, I think we are often less inclined to think about these things because we think it's a time to be happy and to have hearts all over the place and go out for nice dinners and, you know, be all lovey-dovey. Uh, when in fact, uh, it may be just exactly the right time to talk about this, uh, partly because it's a good time to be reminded, but partly because it also draws to our attention the fact that on the very same day, Valentine's Day, there may be people that day, there will be people that day who will be victimized by this. Uh, Jaspreet Gill is the Executive Director of the York Region Centre for Community Safety, and she is working with a team to lead a campaign that actually brings together Valentine's Day, the celebration of love, with uh, some uh, arresting awareness building about uh, the subject of intimate partner violence, and she joins us now. Good morning. Good morning, John. Thank you for that wonderful intro. Well, I hope so. I, you know, I'm, the very fact that, uh, you know, that you would hear me say, the, the, I mean, of all the things you do in your life, and that was 17 years ago, and I've had lots of things go on in my life since then, I just remember that. I, I can almost remember what she looked like because I was so convinced almost in one second that that's what I was dealing with. And I sort of feel guilty that I didn't say something, but then I didn't know exactly what to say. Um, so this is not something, you know, we think of this as something that only happens, you know, once in a while here and there, but it's kind of kind of isolated, but in fact, it's a very widespread um, experience that lots of people have in our society, just for starters, correct? Absolutely. It is one of the most pervasive uh, forms of violence that exists. And the reality is that one in three women will experience IPV, intimate partner violence, in their lifetime. And when you really think about it, that's an astounding number. So what that means is that every one of your listeners 
knows someone who has lived this, is living this, or will live this. And there's a one in three chance that one of your listeners is actually that someone. But I can tell you, I know someone, and I'm not talking about some stranger I met at the door that I was referring to in my story, my true mm-hmm. story, but I do know someone much closer to me than that who uh, experienced this. Um, and, and and one of the questions pe- people often, you know, will say things like, well, because they know of someone like that who continues to live in the home, who continues to be subjected repeatedly to this, and they kind of then start to blame the victim. Um, and you you would understand better than most and perhaps could share with the audience, um, you know, the, the, the damage that this kind of experience does to people's sense of self-worth and the, therefore, the um, diminished strength they feel in dealing with it to the point where they can stand up and go and if they decided to stand up and go, oftentimes there's nowhere to go. You raise a really good point, and this is true. <clears throat> so most people actually blame the victim, right? If she hasn't left, it mustn't be that bad. And what we really need to do is change the narrative and talk about why does he abuse, not why doesn't she leave. And one of the reasons that she doesn't leave is one that you mentioned. I mean, there's where does she go when there are no when she has no financial uh, ability? Because she even if she works, she may not have access to her own bank accounts. And one of the trends that we're actually seeing, uh, and it has been increasing the last four, five, six years, is that the abusive partner takes out a line of credit, um, maxes out her credit cards, will take out loans in her name, and then she is on the hook for it. And he's just racking it up. And so many survivors are also just in debt for debt that they did, they themselves did not incur. The other piece uh, that keeps them in, in these types of situations is that the very nature of intimate partner violence is to isolate that individual, cut them off from friends and family so that they don't have any supports. And the only voice in their ear is that of the abusive partner telling them that they are, well, making derogatory comments about their appearance, their intelligence, their ability, their skills, uh, their motherhood style, if you will. When you hear that day after day, 24-7, from someone that you love, and you believe loves you, it is one of the most damaging of psychological situations anyone can be in. Because you lose your own self-respect. And then the ability to stand up and say, well, I'm not going to put up with this or any host of other things people could do uh, diminishes exactly. because you don't respect. You start to question yourself. Uh, tell us about just the campaign. I mean, what, what are you doing to uh, put together this, uh, you know, this celebration of love that we have every year, which is supposed to be a happy occasion with a, maybe a sobering reminder of what else goes on? What, what, what kind of means are you using to, to do this? Yeah, I'm so proud of this campaign. Thank you. So it is on our social media. And what we've done is we've taken the, you know, the colors of Valentine's Day, the the hearts that are, are that you see everywhere. And we're taking that a whole kind of holiday, if you will, as a reminder to that this exists, that not all love is safe, that there are women out there who are in relationships that are not safe, and that it's okay for them to question it to think about the relationship that they're in, and if possible, if they're ready, to reach out for supports. And, and uh, you know, we've done better at this now, and there's funding available to a lot of organizations, and I know I participated in the expansion of and uh, support for shelters and so on, but do, is there enough there by way of a support system in the event people actually do decide that, you know, that they need to get help? 
Well, no, there isn't. And shelters in and of themselves are just one component Mm -hmm. of a larger response that we have. So when you talk about funding, I can speak about my organization. We, We don't have any core funding. It's a conversation that I've been having with the Ministry of Children, Community and Social Services for the last few years, asking, like, we get a pocket of money, 40,000, but that doesn't go nearly enough to actually cover our expenses. And this is the first year we actually do not have a funding contract. Regardless, uh, I'm passionate about the work that we do. So is my team. And there is an absolute need. I mean, looking at, we operate in York Region, we serve York Region, but we also get a lot of women from the Toronto area who Mm -hmm. access our services as well, which is, and we we connect them to the supports that they need to the best of our ability. But I don't know if you, you saw this in the news, John, but in the last, uh, just in the space of a week, there were two incidents in Richmond Hill homes. Mm-hmm. We don't know yet uh, the details, um, but my my concern, my worry, my fear is that both of these instances uh, are examples of intimate partner violence. Yeah, because what's fairly clear from what the police have said so far is that they were things that happened internal to that home as opposed to some, uh, you know, gang showing yeah. up and shooting the place up or anything like Ex- that. And so, you know, that there's exactly. some connection to something that's uh, that would be described as intimate partner related. Uh, so uh, last thing, just to finish up and, and to wish you well in this very excellent campaign. Not all love is safe is the kind of uh, heading it's under. And I think that's a very, uh, very apt because it does say, even on a happy occasion, we could say, well, there's lots of love around today and lots of love around every day, but not all love is safe. That is absolutely correct. And I, and I want that reminder out there. One of my, one of the things that I'm frustrated by is that we don't talk about intimate partner violence enough. It's not there in the public spaces. As a result, there is a lack of understanding of what this is how pervasive it is, and the fact that we, as I mentioned earlier, so we continue to blame the victim. So if she hasn't left, mustn't be that bad, or she must have done something to warrant his response, um, be it violence. Keep doing what you're doing. Uh, Jasper Gill is the executive director so of York Region Center for Community Safety, a really uh, novel and I think very meaningful kind of campaign at, a, at just the right time. So thanks very much for being with us and for what you're doing. Much appreciated. Thank All you so much. Okay.